Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we gather here this morning in the name of Jesus, and it's by his name that we can cry out to you, Abba, Father. Because that is what we are, your children. You tell us that you love us. Even though we feel undeserving, you love us. Father, we are so thankful and we love you for being such a gracious God that would give everything to bring us back to you. May we never take that for granted. Father, we ask you in this time to use all the hearts assembled and the thoughts, and I ask and I pray that the words that I speak and the meditation of our hearts would be truly pleasing in your sight. O God, our Savior, our Father. Amen. Well, as I said earlier, we're in the fourth week of the series that we've titled Apps for Life, where we have been looking at some of the most popular apps you'll find on your phone or your smart or your tablet, your smartphone or your tablet. And we've been looking at what these apps say about us and what we value. And really, we've said that it's not our apps that define us, it's we that define the apps and how we use them says something about us. We've looked at the camera app and the selfie culture and the materialistic culture that you find on Amazon. And these apps themselves, they're not bad apps. The technology isn't bad. We believe in technology used correctly, used rightly. And that's why we've said this verse is kind of governs this whole series from Ephesians 5. Paul writes, think carefully then about how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. See, it's not the technology that's bad. It's that we make poor decisions. So he's saying, live as wise, not as unwise. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we know where that wisdom resides. We say that it resides in the one app, in the one true book, where truth resides. And that's in the Bible. It's the Bible that answers all the big questions that we have. Where do we come from? Why are we here? How do we live? What happens when we die? It's the Bible that addresses all of that. It's the Bible that is the truth for the world. And how cool is it that the Bible still remains the number one best-selling book in the world? Yeah. And the other thing about it is you'll find still in America today, 88% of households, not just Christian households, 80% of households have a Bible. And the average have 4.7, like part of the Old Testament and the whole New Testament. That's the 0.7. But they have four others that are full testaments, right? But how cool is that? And now, with technology, even more so. Uversion, which is a free app that you can download. 280, over 280 million downloads, app downloads, as of 9 o'clock yesterday morning. This number, if you go to their site, it just keeps ticking. It just keeps getting downloaded. In over 1,500 versions and over 1,000 languages. And you know, this church in Oklahoma, Life Church, developed this and gave it away. It was in 2006 they started to donate all of their, give away all their product and a lot of their resources that they developed for their church. They just give away to other churches around the world. And one of their members came up with an idea that said, you know what, we need a Bible online. And so he came up with the idea for version, and they thought it would take off. And it did a little bit, but not as big as they thought it would. And then they got the idea, you know what, we, we got to put an app. We need an app. And so they came up with the version Bible app. And they thought maybe in the first three months they'd get 80,000 downloads. And the first week they had 83,000. And it just keeps growing. 
and they're giving it away. No ads, nothing. And there's all different ways to read the Bible on this, ver- on this app. And there are other apps that have followed after them, but this was the first one. And it's just an awesome story about how giving God's Word away, what it does. And literally, they say on their website, the Bible's everywhere. And it's really everywhere you go. And it's free. All you got to do is buy a $700 smartphone, and it's free. (laughs) But see, the truth of it is, 77% of you have a smartphone. That's the statistics in the world, in the United States. And this age demographic over here, like 18 to 29, 92% have smartphones. And it's free. And everywhere you go, you can take the Bible with you. You can listen to it, you can watch it, and you can read it, and you can share it. The Bible goes everywhere, and as Christians, we're like, how awesome is that? Because it's God's Word, it's the truth that now is available everywhere. And we know that in His Word, there are promises to the people that read that Word, that meditate on that Word, that God produces faith in. There are promises to those people, if you'll just read it. Promises from the Psalms. David writes in the very first Psalm, Blessed are you who do not walk in the way of sinners or stand in the way of sinners or the wicked and take or sit in the company of mockers, but delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whether Whatever they do prospers. Here's how I like to read this verse. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. That word delight there is somebody that just can't wait to spend time in God's word or with God in his word. This word delight isn't something that someone does by compulsion because somebody stands up and said you need to read your Bible and so you do so out of guilt. No, it's a delight that you long to spend time with that person. A week ago, we had our two oldest grandchildren, five and two and a half year old boys, came and stayed with us for five days. And we were so delighted that they came. And we got to spend five days with them and take them places and do things with them and sleep with them and have them kick you in the face as you sleep. And it was a blast. And we were so delighted when their parents came and got them that because we were exhausted. Well, I would say my wife was more exhausted than I was. But what a delight. We just couldn't wait to see him again the next day on FaceTime and just talk to him. That's what the psalmist is describing. You just can't wait to spend time in God's Word. You can't wait to meet Him there, because that's where He promises to meet you. And then it says to meditate. Blessed is the one who meditates on God's law. And here he's talking about the whole Word of God. Blessed is that person who meditates. That word meditate in the Hebrew means to mutter or mumble to oneself. You know, when you're walking around going, I can't believe they pulled that picture. I can't believe that we gave Lackey away. I just can't believe... Now, or you sit there and go, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Blessed is the one who met it. And you just sit there over and over and over again. Not large sections, but verses. And you spend a day just muttering to yourself. And people are looking at you, and they're thinking you're weird. And somebody says, what are you muttering about? And you're like, oh, I'm glad you asked. I can tell you. That's what they're describing here. And Jeremiah echoes this, and he says, they're like trees planted by water. Planted in the word of God. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. Planted in the word of God, things can get rough. Things can get hot. 
Your roots are planted in the word, and you do not fear. There are no worries. That's what scriptures promise as you meditate on God's word, as you delight in his word. And Jesus says this about the word. It's a gift. And if you knew the gift, God, the gift of God and who it is, ask you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. He says this to the woman at the well. The word of God is a gift. Beginning of John, John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus is identified as the word of God. The word of God is God. Jesus is a gift to the world, and his his word is a gift. And Jesus says, in the word is life and the spirit. And as Christians, we need to rejoice that that word is being shared with the world freely. Because Jesus says to us, as he said to Satan who tempted him after he came out of the desert for 40 days, when Satan said, bow down and worship me and I'll turn these rocks into food, Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, as he quoted Deuteronomy 8. God's word is life and it's power and there's hope in God's word. And blessed is the one that reads it and meditates on it and mumbles and mutters it all day long. See, here's the thing. It's the most distributed, best-selling book of all time. But oftentimes, this is the state we find it in. Dusty, sitting on a nightstand. And the statistics bear it out. 226 million Americans identify as Christian. Only 88 million of them read their Bible at least once a week. 37% of the United States only reads their Bible once a week or a little bit more. The majority don't read it. It has the hope of the world contained in it, but we don't read it. It's more available than it's ever been, but it's less read than it's ever been. What's going on? Well, in the Old Testament, there's a story about a young king named Josiah. And Josiah was eight years old when he came to power, when he became king of Judah. See, he had a father and a grandfather who were described as evil. And his great-grandfather, Hezekiah, did good in the eyes of the Lord. And Israel and Judah prospered. But then came Manasseh, his great-grandfather, and he was evil and did horrible things. And then his father, and then Josiah became king. And things changed. It said he did what was good in the sight of the Lord. And we see that in year 18 of his reign, when he was 26, he sent men and commissioned men to reestablish the temple, to fix up the temple that had been just discarded and done horrible things within the temple. He sent men to fix and repair and to bring the temple back into repair. And he sent his secretary up one day to make sure that all the men who were doing the work were getting paid. And his secretary went to the temple, and as he went to the temple to make sure everything was happening, he did that. Hilkiah, the high priest, comes to him and says, I found the book of the law. And so the secretary read it. And Hilkiah says, take this back to the king. So he takes it back to the king, and he goes to King Josiah. He says, everything's being taken care of at the temple. All the men and all the workers and everybody who's been doing work or getting paid as, you need, as they need to get paid. And oh yeah, by the way, we found this book. Doesn't that sound a bit odd? 
that the book that defines this people, the book to whom the, the word was given, to the people whom it was given, have lost it in the one place that should never be lost, in the temple of God. And you see what's really interesting is when he comes back, he doesn't say, we found the book of the law, we found the book. He just says, no, everything's been taken care of, we're feeding, and yeah, we found this book. And then he reads the book to the king, and Josiah's heart is just ripped open. And he's saddened, and he falls to his knees, and he prays to God. And then he sends them to the, to the prophet to say, what does this mean for us? And he comes back and says, yeah, God has judgment on the people because of their disobedience, but because of your heart, because of your response, God will have mercy on you and the children of Israel. See, there were still, there was still the temple. There were still priests offering sacrifices to God, but the one thing that was missing was the word of God. They were still going through all the motions, but the word of God was absent. See, they forgot a warning that was issued through Moses. When God brought his people up out of Israel, out of Egypt, and sent them into the promised land, he had this warning for them that they had forgotten. It says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you today. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. They had forgotten the Lord their God. They had forgotten God. They hadn't just misplaced God's word. They had misplaced God. See, things were going well for them. Israel had been taken into captivity and defeated by the Assyrians, but Judah still existed. Things were good. And when things are good, when everything you have is multiplying and there is no, there is no famine, there's nothing going on, it's like, guess what? I'm good. I don't need anything else. I'm good. I have everything I need. They had forgotten the warning the warning very explicit to them that when you forget the Lord your God, you'll do so because of prosperity. You'll do so because things are good. We have the same problem in our world today. Same problem here in our country. We've misplaced the word of God. Now 62% of Americans say they wish they read their Bible more because we know what the word says. We know, as Christians, the hope that we have there. And we wish we read it more. What do you think the number one reason is we don't read it more? Too busy. That's exactly right. I'd like to, but I got a lot to do today. I got to get up early and I got to get to bed. I don't get to bed till late. And I have to get up early in the morning. I'd love to, but my day is just jam-packed. I'll do that tomorrow. And tomorrow comes and we'll do that tomorrow. And one of the reasons why is technology and really this sort of culture that we have today where we get it right now and we get it in little snippets. It's like that USA Today culture. Just give me a paragraph. I don't have time to really like get down in and spend an hour or a year reading. Just tell me right now, what do I need to know? And one author says this. He says, this is what it's like. He says, once I was a scuba diver in the sea of words. 
Now I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. Because I got places to go, and I got to get there fast. And to kind of bring it back to our culture today, we've been talking a lot about water. I think it's a great analogy is what's happened to God's Word. In the United States, the average person consumes or uses 176 gallons of water a day. Sub-Saharan Africa, the average family uses five gallons a day. And on average, they have to walk four miles to get it. We wash our cars with it. We wash our dogs with it. We just know, turn on the tap, and it's there. And if it's not, we pick up the phone and we call somebody and complain. I don't have water. And what we've done is we just take it for granted. It'll always be there. We do the same thing with God's Word. It'll be there. I've got five of them. If whenever I want to read them, it's there. It's on my phone. I can read it whenever I want to. But what we've done, because of our over-familiarity with it, because it's so plentiful, we just take it for granted that it'll always be there. There'll always be tomorrow. But we know that tomorrow's not guaranteed. But in our prosperity, in the most prosperous nation ever known to mankind, we've misplaced God's word. And so now that some of you feel a little guilty for not reading God's word, or maybe not reading it enough. I know some of you are feeling that little guilt right now. But some of you are going, yeah, he's not talking to me. I read my Bible every day. He's talking about them. And you're starting to feel a little puffed up. And now you're feeling a little guilty. <laughs> and now I have to tell you, I'm feeling a little guilty because I, I made all you feel guilty. <laughs> And so now that we all feel a little guilty, I have one thing to say. That's okay. It's okay to experience righteous guilt. God sends his spirit into your heart to convict you of sin, to guide you in the way of righteousness. And he does that sometimes by having you experience what you just experienced, what we experience sometimes in God's word. Tim Keller calls it the bad news of the gospel. It's that you are more sinful than you could ever imagine. That's the bad news of the gospel. But then, that's the reason why we need to immerse ourselves in God's word. Because oftentimes, that's where we stop. Because we forget. We think God's like us. And I would never forgive somebody like me. I would never let anybody out if they did that to me. See, that's why we need to immerse ourselves in God's word so we don't just stop with the bad news. The good news of the gospel is that you are more loved than you could ever imagine. And it's not because you read God's word every day or meditate on it or delight in it or that you do all these things. You are loved by God because God is God. And he loves his creation. Not because of what you do, but because of who he is. And he sends his spirit into the world to convict you of that sin and he instructs you to read his word because he loves you. Because he wants you to know what love is to know his true character, and to know that you are loved. He wants you to know more about him. And as you spend time in his word, you'll come to understand the true character of God. And you'll find yourself delighting in the character of God and in the love of God as you come to know him more. 
And you will look forward to the times that you spend in his word, not out of compulsion, but out of a desire that his word creates in your heart to spend time with him. That's what he longs for you to experience. But we're caught in this cycle. The book I want to read, that's not what I read. What I don't want to read, that's what I find myself reading. And what I don't want to read, I don't read. I read this over here. Who's going to help me? How do I break this cycle? What do I do? Well, I want to take a book out of Josiah's, a chapter out of Josiah's book. And the first thing I would say, some practical advice, repent. It's a word we don't talk about often. It's a word we don't like maybe to hear, but it's a very good word, repent. Just admit to God. You know he knows it, right? You're not hiding anything from him. Just repent. Sorrowful. You know that guilt that you feel is because you should be reading God's word and you're not. And just say, you know what? You're right. I haven't been reading your word. I haven't been spending time with you. Forgive me. And that word repent means something else. It means to just turn 180 to go the other direction. Repent and pray for God's strength and power. God promises, as he did to Josiah, to have mercy. Second one, I would say, download the Bible app. Download a Bible app. Put it on your phone. It's free. And you can take it with you everywhere as a constant reminder because guess what? You yourself can be a living Bible. As God gets his word into you, you can give it away for free. And there are plenty of ways that you can do that. And one of the things that we found in a survey that was done by Barna this last year on the state of the Bible in America is that people said, 26% of the people surveyed said their Bible reading increased because of an app. They put an app on their phone or their tablet and their Bible reading increased. You can download a lot of different versions. In fact, version has come up with a new app, the Bible for Kids, and it's interactive, and it's way cool. So watch this. What if your kids could walk through the garden with Adam and Eve? Or journey through Bethlehem the night Jesus was born? Meet the Bible app for kids. Through an animated adventure, your kids will explore the big stories of the Bible, earn rewards for special challenges, open the Bible again and again, and begin a lifetime love of God's Word. The Bible app for kids. Download it now for free at bible.com forward slash kids. And they can be read to in a British accent. Who loves that, right? Because we all know that's the best way. But seriously, parents, one of the reasons that they forgot the book of the law and forgot the Lord is they were not continually reminded. And parents, I'll tell you, oftentimes the reason our kids don't read the Bible is because we don't read the Bible. And the reason we haven't read the Bible is because our parents didn't read the Bible. We can break that cycle. We need to be sharing this word with our children day after day after day so that they never forget, so that their children never forget and their children never forget God or misplace his word. Download the app. Be diligent in your reading of the word. Third thing, set time aside. If you don't set time aside, if you don't make margin in your life, as Mark talked about last week, we're just going to keep going through our busy life and we'll always have an excuse. Set aside a particular time of the day. Maybe you're a morning person or an evening person. 
Set aside a time of day. Set a time at lunch. On your way to work, you can listen to it. You can watch it. You can read it. You can share it. You can do anything, anytime. It's more available. Fourthly, start or restart a daily Bible reading plan. Through these apps, you can read the Bible in numerous ways. You can read sections of it. You can get a verse a day sent to your phone. You can meditate on that verse all day long. And it's simple. You don't have to do anything except say, hey, send me this every day. And the fifth thing I would say is study it with others. 10% of the people that said their Bible reading increased said they did so because somebody else asked them to study it with them. That's why we promote small groups. We invite you to study the Bible with us so that we would never forget the Lord our God. That's what he calls us to do, is to make a deliberate, intentional time every day to spend time with him. And as you do, he's faithful to lead you in a wise way, to guide your steps, to be a lamp unto your feet, And so when we look at these apps in light of God's word, we can then be reminded that these apps are good apps. It's just how we use them. And so here's just a way we could do that. When you look at this camera app, don't think about the selfie. Think about outward focus. When you see that, let it remind you that God's word reminds us to be outwardly focused, not inwardly focused. And when you see that Amazon app on your phone, remember it's a a reminder to be generous. Look for opportunities in the world to be generous to those that need. And third, number your days. When you look at that calendar, remember that tomorrow's not guaranteed. Remember, time is fleeting. The psalm says that's where wisdom resides. Wise are those who number their days. That understand that today is a gift. The word of God is a gift. And it's been given to you freely. We are undeserving of that word. But God gives it to us anyway because he loves us. And he longs that this word would guide your steps in wisdom so that your life would be a light into the world. God longs to get his word in you because it will change you. It will change your life. It will change the lives of the people in your life. You just get it in you. Our prayer is that we would become children of the word that we would never forget the Lord our God and that his word would just fill us with the joy that he promises it would fill us with. I pray that for each and every one of you, that you would delight in his word. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are indeed a gracious, patient God. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of your son and the words he has given us. Father, but we repent to you this morning. We confess that we don't spend near enough time in your word. Father, I confess that other things take precedent. But your word also reminds us at this very same time that our sins have been forgiven. Father, thank you for the reminder that we find in your word. Thank you for the truth that speaks into our hearts. We thank you for your son and the gift that he is in our lives. 
And it's in His name that we pray the prayer that He taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for spending some time in God's Word with us during this message. It was recorded live in worship at Trinity Church in Lyle, Illinois, where God is leading us on our mission to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Would you like to know more about a relationship with Christ? Or more about Trinity, who we are, what we believe, and where and when you might join us in worship or a growth group? Please visit our website at tlc4u.org. That's the letters T-L-C, the number four, and the letter U.org. May God bless you and yours abundantly through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening.